never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Hi guys, welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Another fantastic day for an interview. And today uh, I've got Dr. James Smith with me. Uh, James is a man who has gone, who through his own trials and tribulations, a, a former lawyer, a gambler, inmate, pastor, a man who has reinvented himself quite a bit and who, like me, believes in extreme ownership. And that is a fantastic topic topic to talk about. We can all create so much when we actually deal with the real root causes of what has been happening to us. And often that root cause is ourselves. So now, James, thank you so much for coming onto my show. I'm looking forward to, to hearing your take on extreme ownership. I just think in order to get to where one needs to get. Uh, and that's very important because uh, I am just a typical individual, but uh, many years ago, uh, back in 1981, I did something that I should not have done. I was a lawyer, gambler, and I ended up committing a crime. Uh, for most people, that would have been the, uh, the end of feeling as if they have just totally lost it, can't get any further. But uh, I remember my, my mom telling me, she said, son, you've gotten out. And I spent five years. And she said, you've gotten out. Now you can go and lie in a ditch if you want to. You can go and rub your head in the sand if you want to. Uh, all folk are going to do is come by and uh, kick more dirt on you or rub your head further in the sand. But if you want to get out, uh, if you would just get out, then these same people would give you a helping hand. And that's what I decided to do. So I wasn't going to stay in a ditch. I was going to front, confront the source. You know, look, I messed up. I realized I messed up. Uh, what I did, I shouldn't have done it. Uh, but uh, I also knew that in order for me to get to where I need to go, I would have to just confront it. So uh, I did that. And as a result of doing that, I, you know, I just decided to look, this is, can't be the end of my life. So I went, I went back to uh, school. I went to seminary. I got my uh, master of divinity degree. I got my doctor of ministry degree. I became a pastor. I just retired uh, two months short of 33 years from the same church. Uh, and I, obviously I started a podcast about six months before I retired because I wanted to continue my ministry uh, of encouraging, inspiring, and transforming. And so that's what I did. And so I tell everybody, including my congregation, that, you know, uh, maybe everybody, well, we know that we all sin and come short of the glory of God. I just did something that was awful, shouldn't have done it, but I asked for forgiveness, and I I felt forgiven. You know, I didn't keep taking it with me, but, uh, you know, it's something that you don't really forget, and you and you just 
deal with it. So I don't mind. I share my story. Uh, I do inspirational speaking. I do, uh, you know, the, my podcast. I share my story. And I did it even with my congregation because I want them to know that even if you mess up, you know, that doesn't mean your life is totally over. Is that all you have to do is confront it, accept it, and move forward. And uh, there's another another chance that we always have. <laughs> well, okay. Um, it sounds so easy, isn't it? It sounds so easy. Um, but uh, there are so many factors impacting us. To start mm -hmm. with, you, you, your journey with Jesus Christ, um, were you always a believer? Were you, mm -hmm. uh, even uh, when you were um, a lawyer, um, did you, were you practicing religion? Yeah, uh, I will, let me put it to you this way. My, my mom was a uh, dedicated and committed Christian. So I've always been in church. I've always been a believer. Uh, the, 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 I think the question would be, was I a dedicated and committed <laughs> believer? If, 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 can I put, if I, if, I don't know if that's a good way to put it. Uh, uh, I hear you. I hear you. Okay. Uh, and so, um, but when this happened to me and they, uh, ordered me to go to, Dorothea Dix Miller Hospital for a six-week observation. It's when I came to grips with my faith, you know, and it's when that kicked in. And as a result of my faith kicking in and me catching hold of it is when I began a new outlook. And that's what really uh, took me through uh, and, of course, transformed my whole life. So when I went in to be up front, uh, I had no illusion about whether I was going to get some time. I knew that. All I wanted to do was get it over with and get, start my life all over again because I knew that I was going to do it. My faith told me I was going to do it. Nothing was going to stop me from doing it, and that's what I did. Brilliant. Oh. I, we all, we all stuff up in our lives. We all have <laughs> got our weaknesses, no two ways around it. So I so much commend you on, on being so open uh, about your own journey. Um, having said that, the, I can see a, an easy escape waiting for you there because here you are religious. Uh, there's the internal battle between God and the devil. Uh, the devil made me do it. Um, I have been possessed by some dark forces that made me do it. Um, was that ever <laughs> something that came out of your mouth or out of, was, that, was that maybe the, a voice in your head? No, I never said the devil made me do it. Okay. I did it. I did it. I don't believe the devil made me do, do what I did. <laughs> I, 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 was a, I was a gambler. Hmm. And uh, at a time, I thought I was a compulsive gambler. All right? Uh, and in my first book, that's what I kind of talked about. I talked about the fact that I thought I did what I did because of my gambling and it had gotten a hold of me. I lost everything I had. And the and it was the reason I did 
what I did. But during COVID, uh, during this three years we went through COVID, I wrote another book, and it was a book on self-evaluation. And I really dealt deep within myself. And I concluded that I didn't commit this crime, and the crime was robbing the bank. I didn't commit this crime because of, of my gambling. And the reason I'm saying this now, yeah, this is something important for you to hear, uh, because I contacted Gambler Anonymous, which is a, a group in a, a town that's uh, next to Durham where I live, uh, because I wanted to come over and talk to the guys because I thought they would, I would have something that I could really say and share with them. Mm. And the director asked me if I was still a compulsive gambler. I said, no, I don't gamble at all. You know, I don't have a desire for it. I said, no, I'm not. And he said, uh, I thought you said you were a compulsive gambler. I say, well, I don't know. I say, but if you're saying that I'm still a gambler, that th I know that's not true because I have no, no desire for it. I just don't do it. And so in my second book, I came to the conclusion that it wasn't my gambling. It was my being afraid to fail. Now, that's a powerful statement, being afraid to fail. I have, you know, so when I first stopped practicing law, I was the only African-American lawyer practicing my home state, in my hometown. I was also the youngest African-American lawyer practicing in the state of North Carolina. You know, this make you look cocky. You know, it makes you think you got it all, that you're under control. I was known as being a very good lawyer. I mean, people will tell you that, even in the state of North Carolina now. As a matter of fact, uh, up until COVID, the bar even brought me on uh, to do continual legal education. I was one of two lawyers in the whole state of North Carolina one other uh, white lawyer and myself who had been uh, convicted of a felony that they allowed to teach continuing legal education. I did it for 11 years. But I, 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 I did all of this because the bar knew me. I was well known. I messed up. And so what I, what I concluded in my uh, last book was that I did what I did because I didn't want to fail. I was afraid of it, and I thought I could recoup. I had lost all my money. I had lost, you know, uh, all the property that I had accumulated. Me and my wife had separated for five years. Right. I had gone downhill. Right. I had gone downhill, and I thought that was my only way out. And so I did something crazy. That was it. Pure and simple. Analyze it in the way you want to. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Because, I mean, that is, I was, I was resentful towards a lot of outside forces, uh, one particular institution, uh, a lot of people. And in all fairness, there were a lot of not so nice things happening to me. Having said that, I mean, the way I then dealt with it by drinking far too much um, mm -hmm. uh, was just stupid. 
Um, but it, uh, my mind tried to protect me from that fact. So for me to practice extreme ownership nowadays is, uh, well, that was a long journey for me to get to that point. When did that become apparent to you in your journey? Well, as, as I said, it didn't uh, up until about the year when COVID came in, mm. when I sat back and started thinking through everything that had happened. Uh, because all the time before, I was thinking that maybe I was a compulsive gambler. But I also knew that I had no compulsion to gamble. Mm. I had no urge to do it. I, all the stuff that I was once doing, it was over. You know, I, I, I you know, my drinking, I used to, you know, uh, take a drink. I, you know, I never smoked, but I had no urge to do it. And so I had no urge to gamble. Uh, so, and so I had to step back and really do what I call a self-evaluation and that's what I called the book, self, uh, you know, uh, my second edition, uh, self-evaluation. And it was during that time that I came to the conclusion that, no, I was not a compulsive gambler, <laughs> but I was really afraid to fail. You know, it, it's like I had been on top of the mountain and having lost everything, all I could see and visualize from folks saying, you know, this used to be this great lawyer and look what at him now. And I couldn't go there. Mm. So I thought I could recoup, pay off all my bills that I lost as a result of my gambling, uh, take care of everything. And I could come back and do what I was, was doing before. It's, it doesn't happen that way now, you know, and I know it doesn't happen that way, but that's what I was thinking at the time. Oh, that's brilliant. But it only shows that that uh, the, the constructs that we put into our head, um, the, the, the kind of uh, quick, easy fixes that mm -hmm. we want to have, they are uh, prevalent and it doesn't matter in which decade you're living they just come in various versions and various mm -hmm. forms and nowadays the instant gratification is is worse than ever um with the the, the pressure of social media and the availabilities to younger people um so we see it i see it every single day um but in your case it was just wow it came out such a woof. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh such a huge uh well such a huge hit uh where what was the support like that you had i mean you said you left you lost it all uh you your relationship broke down uh you ended up in jail was that a time when actually there was some support in jail or was it was that just a pure survival time for you you know, I, I had a, my family was very supportive. So it was, and as a matter of fact, had I used a little bit more and stay focused, let me put it that way. Had I stayed focused, I don't, I, maybe I wouldn't have even done what I did because uh, my family would have perhaps bailed me out, but I was the only one who had, 
in the family to law school, only one who was practicing law. And so I, I thought I knew what was best. So family couldn't tell me anything, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> that so, might just, yeah, okay, fair call, fair call. You, uh, you were, were you the first one going to university? Yeah. Mm. Same here. Same here. Yeah. I come yeah. from yeah. from the wrong side of the tracks. <laughs> yeah. So yes, yeah. I had early early on. Um, I'm a self made man. That of course comes with that kind of arrogance, with that kind of mm. swagger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to slap myself when I think of the old yeah. guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that was us then. That was mm -hmm. that was the 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 self made thing. And in in the eighties, that was. Mm. That was what the American society put on a pedestal, uh, yeah. and many other societies as well. Germany, just mm -hmm. just as much. When did humility and authenticity come in? Did that's a very good. That's a very good question. But I can answer. I can answer it. You know, I was uh, when I was at the Mill Hospital, and that was before I was sentenced to uh, uh, confinement. Uh, the five years. Uh, well, I've said this is 15 years, but at the time, you only have to serve five, uh, one third of your time uh, if you maintain good behavior or whatever. So five years is what I did. Uh, but prior to that time, uh, after the crime, uh, I was sent to the mental hospital. And you can understand why. Here's this prominent lawyer doing this crazy thing. Yeah. Some had to be wrong. Okay. Yeah. So when I got him out of the middle hospital, not yet out of the middle hospital, uh, I was uh, on, on bond. My bond had been, had been reduced from a hundred thousand dollars down to $10,000. At that time I didn't have a job. I knew I couldn't go back to law office. I knew it was all over. And so I had to get some work. My mom was living with me, uh, and I wanted to make certain the things were okay with her. So one of my friends had a service station. He let me work at the service station. So I pumped gas, washed windshields. I worked with him perhaps for about maybe a month. I'm out. I'm now, mind you, I'm out on bond from actually about August all the way up to January. And then I go to work for another gentleman in uh, the town who owned a supermarket. And I stood behind the cashier backing groceries uh, and walking groceries out to the car with, with former clients, uh, uh, you know, friends, family. And it is this time that humility uh, set in. You know, it was it was like I thought I was uh, up on the mountaintop. This is a quote that I have in my book. I came from practicing law to pumping gas and backing grocery. <laughs> that's wow. when humility. That's when humility set in. Wow, wow, oh wow. It's hard for me to imagine it. Uh, I'm an anesthetist, yeah. you know. Uh, a lot of people love my work because yeah, I like to be uh, I like to be nice to people, and I like to be, and I think I'm good in what I'm doing. Um, but to come from that status, from that um, 
from that job satisfaction, so to speak, because you 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 don't become a good lawyer without actually getting a lot of out of it. Um, mm -hmm. You you identify yourself. Did you? How long did you practice law? Uh, about ten years. Did you do anything else during that time? I mean, in my no. younger years, I was only focused on my job. I was only focused on what I was doing. Who are you, Stefan? Oh, well, I'm a pain physician. I'm an anesthetist. Mm. No, no, who are you? And I told well, you, I'm a pain physician. <laughs> so yeah. what what about you? That was that was me. Yeah. I, I did I did nothing but practice law. I I opened a restaurant and club, but practicing law was really what I did yeah. for for that uh, you know, 10 years while I was out, you know, got into gambling with a lot of my uh, professional friends who were much older than I was mm. uh, and, and then just went down the wrong path. Mm. You know, I, 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 I say lots of times that I did say focus, you know, uh, but that was part of what happened. Mm. What did the gambling give you? Oh, oh, at, well, you know, I, I, I put it like this. When it was just a feeling of being with the, the guys, huh. you know, everybody got together at, on Fridays, you know, after work, we had a drink, we had a little, little, uh, I, I, I like to say circle that we went from one bondsman to Barbara to another lawyer, you know, we uh, went around in a circle. And when you went to the house, the, the, the either the girlfriend or the wife, you know, uh, had a setup, you know, so you, you could eat, you know, and you could have a drink. And it was just fun. And, you know, you might win some money, you might lose some. And all of the guys knew each other, so there was no question about actually, you know, uh, getting to a point where you couldn't play. If you won, somebody wanted to borrow $500, you let them have it. If I was losing and I needed to borrow $500, they let me have it, mm -hmm. you know, because they know that the next week they would get it back or mm -hmm. during the week they would get it back. That was the way we played. So... In the beginning, I won money, I lost money. But then it got to the point where it became, uh, I, I, I just loved it. And, you know, I stayed in the game too long. I mm. began to lose too much because I didn't want to get up. The game was just, just so much fun. And when I knew anything without actually focusing, I was going downhill, downhill, and downhill. And when I... Woke up to everything, you know, it was like, gee, I'm losing, you know, borrowing money here, mm. borrowing money there. And then that's, that's what was happening to me. And mm. you had gotten to the point then, you, you know, oh, I lost, I'm losing my wife. I've lost properties that I've accumulated along the line. And here I am. How am I going to, what am I going to do? And I do, and you do something silly and crazy, sure. Because you don't want to fall, you don't want to come off that mountaintop mm. and go to the bottom. Mm. 
what I'm trying to understand is the the primal need that was fulfilled by the gambling, because it's <laughs> we are we are not doing things just because they're exciting. Um, mm -hmm. There is there is I mean for me the alcohol turned me into initially into a different person it allowed me to come out it allowed me to um to to just be a different personality and i loved that person so initially the alcohol gave me a lot of benefits really um so but and but the gambling the way do you to describe it it seems that um this was more a social kind of thing um and again you would have to ask well okay if that is so social and everyone knows each other would it not have been relatively easy to say hey look guys um i'm i'm going to i'm losing too much here would not maybe also would not have people spoken up to you and said hey man take it easy because these were supposedly friends who were mm -hmm. there for you yeah. so I know there are three, four questions in what I've just said. No, I'm just... I, I, no I hear you. I hear you. And, uh, you know, you get to a point wherein you think you are in control. Huh. So I can handle this. You know, I'm a lawyer, just like, you know, I'm a younger. I was younger than the other guys I'm I'm playing with. But, you know, I'm, I think I'm good. I think I'm just as good as they are, you know, even though they're older than I am. But, you know, we're all playing. And, uh, and, and, it, and I don't think anybody realized that anybody was getting to that point because everybody wanted to be this in control person. Even the other people that you're playing with. They don't want nobody to know that they are uh, losing, and that uh -huh. they're about they're about to lose that they're about to lose their home. Or, oh. or a spouse is getting ready to leave them. Oh, so you were not the only one, right? I wasn't the only one. Oh, As a matter of fact, see. matter of fact, when I went through my difficulties, everybody else who was doing it quit. Uh -huh. Nobody kept. Nobody kept play. Nobody kept gambling. It was so funny when I got when I got out. I was asking, I said, "Y'all still still going to these games?" I said, "No, no. We when you when this happened to you, we we all stopped. We ain't playing no more. Oh, they finished." Excellent, excellent. So you were basically enablers, and it's exactly with the drinking buddies that you got mm -hmm. the, your so-called mm -hmm. friends. When yeah. you're an alcoholic, uh, the majority of them are not friends. They are just mm -hmm. uh, glad that you are drinking maybe a little bit more than them. Therefore, they mm -hmm. can blame you to be the alcoholic oh, yeah. and them to be right. <laughs> well, well said. Well said. <laughs> okay, I didn't see that coming, but it's so logical now that you spelled mm -hmm. it out. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, goodness. Okay. Ah, wow. Here you were. Um, being humbled literally by God or the universe uh, to be put in such a situation. Um, but then you decided to become a minister and uh, a pastor itself. So how did that work? I mean, what would I have done? I'm asking myself. And I probably would have tried to move to another state. 
um, to start new and so that people don't know me. Um, was that something you did or? Well, while I was out on bond, uh, you know, as I said, my faith kicked in. Yeah. I, I, people around me, my mom was very committed, dedicated. They taught to me. Um, people from churches came, prayed with me. And uh, uh, at this time, I began to actually feel the call uh, that, look, my life was going to be different, that I wasn't going to continue to be the person yeah. that I was. And so I accepted the call uh, while I was out on bar. I hadn't even gone in. I went and talked to my my, my uh, pastor, and I told him that I how I was feeling, and I said to him that uh, I I really don't want to uh, in the Baptist Church, Missionary Baptist Church, we have what you call an initial sermon that they allow you to do when you uh, feel the call to pastor. So I told him I didn't want to do my initial sermon until I got out. And, you know, I was I was very realistic. I knew that I was going to get some time. And I said, and he said to me, he said, well, uh, I know how you feel, but if you really feel that you've been called, why don't you go ahead on and do your initial sermon? There may be something that the Lord wants you to do while you can find. And so uh, he convinced me to do it. I did it on the first Sunday in January, my initial sermon to a packed church, my home church, to a packed church. That Monday, I went to court, and I got 15-year sentence the following Monday. But he was correct. When I got in prison, I uh, got one of the better jobs. I was I worked with in the adult education building. I worked in the chaplain's office. As a matter of fact, if you would check the records right today in Ashland, Kentucky, they will probably tell you that I was the only inmate there that had got the chance to leave the prison by himself. I, I left, went on two furloughs. One, I traveled by plane by myself and came back uh, when I went to D.C. for a week seminar with Prison Fellowship. I went out again to Stylestown, Pennsylvania, for another prison fellowship seminar for a week. That's while I was confined at Ashland, Kentucky. Oh well. Okay. It was so interesting. My actually right now, if you if you could talk with a gentleman by the name of David Haley, who was the prison fellowship director in Kentucky at the time. He is now here in North Carolina. He came to my SP installation service when I was called as pastor. And when I retired, too much short of 33 years, he came back to my retirement in November. That's just how things went for me. And so I know that, you know, somehow your power was directing all of this with me. I went through the correction institution without an infraction at all, no infractions whatsoever. My record would speak for itself. Hmm. 
having said that as a lawyer, you might have actually, um, did you help some of the inmates actually to get to where they are? In other words, um, were you responsible for someone to be incarcerated? And was that a potential risk for you? Or was your no, practice different? Not, 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 not in federal prison. Hmm. Uh, and I, I, I didn't have that problem because I, I, I don't remember representing anybody that was had federal charges. You know, I did some federal work, hmm. but most of it was bankruptcy. Uh, okay. When I did that, uh, most of my most of the uh, defendants that uh, I I that I represented was state. So, and uh, I, but I I wouldn't have felt. Be honest with you, I wouldn't have felt any uh, risks. Uh, you'd be surprised. Uh, inmates are totally different when it comes to uh, the lawyers. Uh, they are more hostile toward the prosecution. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, if you understand what I'm mm -hmm. saying. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Uh, so I would, I don't, I wouldn't have felt, I don't, I don't think I would have felt or had any pressure yeah. from that standpoint. Yeah. Good. So that was, that was lucky. Did your relationship with God change or did your relationship with yourself change? I think I know the answer already of that, uh, but uh, having okay. said that, what was your relationship with God? You said you found yeah. God. Um, at in at what journey. time? Well, you said. Oh, oh yeah, I, oh yeah. I found it. I found. I, I've always known him, so I don't want to 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 uh, make it feel sound as if I didn't know him. Always knew the Lord. Uh, I I was always in church, as I said earlier. I just had not allowed the faith to kick in, or I had not become dedicated and committed in my Christian faith. But after this happened, I became more committed and more dedicated in my faith and walk uh, with my Christianity. <laughs> wow. Wow. What happened for you to start writing? There's one thing for you to stand up in a more or less familial kind of setting and speak honestly about the mistakes you have made and the growth that those mistakes allowed you to undergo. It is a complete different thing to actually go on stage or go on, on books to actually put it in writing. Something often happens as a catalyst. What was that? Well, I, when I start writing, at first it was had nothing to do with writing a book. Uh, I I began writing more for therapy when I was confined, so I started just writing about what happened, how it happened. Talked about my my uh, uh, life, you know, growing up, going through college, my law practice. Uh, my gambling, all of that. I just started writing it. It was just kind of a like therapy, you know. How did I get into? How did I get into this situation? How did I get here? So that's that's the way I I start writing it. And when I knew anything, I had basically 
you know, 200, 300 page uh, manuscript that I had not even thought about anything else about it in terms of a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I got out, I brought it, I brought it out and a couple of friends, family, people saw it and they started talking uh, to me and said, you know, you need to put this in a, in a book form. And that's what bought the book about. So I kind of, you know, try to get it more in edited form to get it so it would be a book form. That's how that book, my first book, which is entitled Deal by Me, A Golden Opportunity to Blow. Now, I tell people, this is in a book, they wonder why you named it Deal by Me. Uh, well, uh, that came about uh, from my gambling. It was like, you don't want your next hand, and so you just say, deal by me. So that's that's what that was. And so it means deal by me with everything. I don't don't want it anymore. And so it was, it was entitled Deal by Me, A Golden Opportunity Blown. And the Golden Opportunity Blown subtopic was as a result of blowing my law practice. Okay. That was the first book. And the second book was the second edition, which was intentionally written. That was when COVID came. I was just I couldn't go to the church, was at, at the house, wasn't doing anything. And uh, after having remember talking with the uh, director of the Gambling Anonymous house, uh, I started just reflecting on my life. I started just thinking about stuff, you know, what did I learn from what I went through, you know, taking a self-evaluation of my whole life. <laughs> and that was the book that I wrote. And I entitled that a deal by me second edition, a second evaluation, a self evaluation. That's how they came about. <laughs> you know, when you when you uh, listen to people who had near death experiences, and when you uh, one of the common themes that comes out in in such uh, such interviews is uh, that uh, they come to a state somewhere where they meet beings somewhere or a being but one of the questions often that they are asked in this state is what have you learned and when you just said that what made you write your second book i had to reflect on that and i thought maybe this is our purpose this is indeed the why that some of us are put on this earth to mess up and mm. mess up sometimes in spectacular ways and <laughs> and then actually get up dust ourselves off let the bruises heal and mm. teach about the lessons that we have learned and i think you had mm. a prime example there what have you learned i think this is such a powerful question that I think every one of us needs to to answer in a quiet moment. That is beautiful. Wow. Goodness, mm. I mean, if you had a chance to go back in a time machine to your younger gambling self, which message would you send back? What message would I? Sin to my younger version. 
oh, to my younger version, stay focused. You will. I you just, were very focused on the gambling. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I would I would stay focused on my profession where I was and to, you know, just not get into things that you think or you know may take you down. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it was, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I have one area in my book where I talk about play with fire and you will get burned. You know, uh, you know, I talk about uh, if something is consuming you, step back from it. That was kind of when I was into the gambling, you know. So there are uh, some things that I think I would say and that I've learned uh, from what I went through that I I think would 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 help me if I were in that situation again. Hopefully, I would be feeling the same way. Uh, but you know, that's hard to say because you just don't know but i'm if if i could take what i know now and put it back to uh what 40 50 years back you know it would be different you know no question about it you know um i would i would you know not get involved with some of the things that, <laughs> that i would do it you know but hey, cool. I, hey, cool. yeah yeah but you know i just don't know would you, if I gave you the power to change the past, uh -huh. would you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No question about that. Interesting. If I had the power to change the past, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I would. I, so I, there's listen, right there. I although, I, although you would not be the person that you are now. I know. All those listen, insights. I I understand. I understand that. And I, 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 I put it this way. I, I think I've told people this. I do I would not want to have gone through what I went through to get to where I am. But where I am, I'm grateful for because it has made me who I am. Correct. Correct. Um I was a selfish person. I all the 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 gift of living intentionally now was something that I had never appreciated. Um, I needed to go through the darkness to appreciate the light, to seek the light. And nowadays, maybe to be the light in, in the lives of others. So without my traumas and my wrong decisions and wrong choices, I would not be that person. And would I like to repeat all that? Hell no. You're quite right. I go with you that. Um, do, would I be willing to change the past? I don't think I would. I don't think I would um, in my case. But that is an answer that each and every one of us needs to yeah. answer. So that's mm -hmm. interesting. You are the first guest ever who said, yes, oh, I would go back and I would change it. Uh, you're the mm -hmm. first guest. So congratulations. <laughs> mm -hmm. But but I mean, again, there is an honesty there. Um, having said that, it's maybe quite good that we don't get this opportunity uh, because yeah, we, no, we, get, we get the, the 
hand that we have to play um mm. there are no there are no second chances uh in the sense of no no repetitions this, there are no mm -hmm. test runs life is real right now yeah. and no question you better make the most out of it wow what yeah. one, one of the things i have in my book one, one of the uh primary things i have is i say you only have one shot so don't miss <laughs> or well, you could also say um, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. Uh, so well, if you miss, so if you miss, mm -hmm. that is okay. Give it yeah. your fullest, I would say, well, that's true. and okay. enjoy enjoy the moment whilst mm -hmm. you're doing it, because you don't yeah. know if there's another moment. Uh, that's a good point. We Very both good have point. seen too many too many lives where people worked 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 and and did focus on the future and then suddenly cancer came or covid came or uh, a, a a car <laughs> ran over a stop sign and and then over you and that was the end of your dreams yeah. so mm -hmm. therefore i think if we can just be honest and open about who we have become as a result of those things that we had to go through, um, sometimes by choice, sometimes not by choice, but and then teach others or show others that there is a life beyond failure, that there's a life beyond having made wrong decisions, that there is a life beyond belief systems that maybe no longer suit you. And I think that is so powerful. That is the power that you have got. Uh, James, you are going out there to actually to change the world. And that is a power that has grown in you. And it's 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 I my guess is that's virtually impossible for you to not give an interview, to not share your beliefs, your your mm -hmm. the power of of living now. And that is so beautiful. And I mean, you're you're a great man. You're a great man for coming onto my show, for going thank out you. there, and for 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 making this world a better place. And for that, I, I thank, thank you. you. Our world clearly needs it. There are two ways around that. <laughs> James, if people want to know more about you, where can they f get to know you? Where can they find you? Where can they find your books? Well. Uh, two places they can go to my website which is www.dealbyme.com uh, dealbyme.com that's my website uh, they can find my books there uh, I have a t-shirt I don't know if you see this t-shirt uh, deal by me oh that's uh, fun by, yeah yeah encouraging inspiring I and like. transforming uh, <laughs> uh, they can get a t-shirt uh, I'm also a uh, uh, inspirational speaker, so they can call me to uh, give an inspirational speak, speak uh, speech speak speech for them. Okay. Uh, I can also uh, get my books from Amazon.com. Mm -hmm. uh, both of them, as matter of fact, uh, those two books. That I've written another book that we didn't talk about. Uh, I I was uh, appointed to serve as a moderator of moderators for the General Baptist State Convention of North Carolina. And uh, at that point, the president asked me to work with churches throughout the state of North Carolina uh, because I had a, a legal background that had conflict 
So I wrote another book that's entitled Come Let Us Reason Together. So that's on another subject. But I've, I've had quite a, you know, uh, my experiences have been great since I've gotten out over these, since 1986. Uh, it's been a, a, a steps forward all the way and so i i can't uh you know nothing that i can say that would be negative i i'm very pleased with where the lord has taken me mm -hmm. but that's where they can find my book uh on amazon.com uh and also uh on my website uh com. brilliant and guys, look down there into the description of the YouTube video and of the show, uh, in the show notes on the podcast, because you get all thank these you. links there. James, thank you so much. You were a very inspiring uh, guest on my show. You made me reflect on, on quite a few things, and for that, I'm very grateful. Um, it is, uh, I, I, I adore those of us who have, seen the light and with that i don't mean jesus christ but the, mm -hmm. the, the light of actually um taking extreme ownership of 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 taking it to heart and actually uh taking ownership of our own behavior and once we we can do that we can also we also get the power of actually um just taking away the guilt and the shame putting right. that to the side actually dealing with things making uh, amends to maybe people that we have harmed and start to live a life that is maybe nicer and is suiting you better, suiting your environment better, maybe creating new connections, new relationships um, that make it further make you grow. That's beautiful. That's uh, We all have that power, um, uh, but it, it starts with taking ownership. And you are a prime example for that. So thank you so much for sharing your story with me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank cool. you so much. And you guys out there, look after yourself and live with passion. Appreciate Bye. it. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> I never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Turn